Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Bitcoin formula episode two, which is actually episode number three, if you count the pilot episode, right? And uh, as usual, the guest in the studio here is Dota Veteran. Welcome. Thank you. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Great, great, great. So uh, it's been a while since we did the last episode, and I'd like to do a f- uh, quick recap what we were talking about in these two episodes. We're done. We talked about what is money, which is a very big subject, right? Yeah, it's a it's a huge subject. Huge, actually, and it makes the world go round. So it's a pretty important subject. Then yeah. we then we went into the subject: what is the blockchain, and what is a blockchain, and where does the word come from? And to understand that what we did recap, you need to listen to the these episodes. But we can sort of pretty easily recap what the blockchain is, where the word comes from, which you and I together sort of. Uh, did some detective work to find. You found it in the code, Satoshi's code, the word blockchain. I think that the word blockchain is sometimes used in regular databases as well because when you have a, a, a series of transactions, you, you usually chop them up into chunks. And and I think there's where the word block come from. And, and when you order these chunks in time, you get a chain of blocks. So huh. that's where the word blockchain comes from. But yeah, the, Satoshi himself did not use blockchain uh, in his paper, but it was there in the in the code. Yeah, as, as a comment, right? Yeah, well, uh, there is a class called blockchain in the code. So it's even a class. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a class called blockchain. Yeah. Okay, great. So we we have that pretty well defined then. So we, then we also talked about central banks for a long time, <laughs> and we even defined what is Bitcoin compared to the altcoins. You said Bitcoin is the longest chain with the most proof of work gone into it, right? Everything else is an altcoin. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way of defining Bitcoin because then you can also fork the Bitcoin into uh, something else. You can change the protocol. Yeah. But the longest chain with the most proof of work will always define what is Bitcoin. And I think the economic incentive is that uh, people will tend to follow the chain that is the strongest one, which is you know the most secure one. Yeah. So uh, if there is a change in the protocol, everybody will follow the strongest chain. Yeah. So you can say the the chain with the most proof of work gone into it is also the chain with the most energy put into it. Uh, yeah. Over time. Actually, that's an even better definition yeah. to say most energy because if you change the algorithm on what proof of work is. Yep then the current mining equipment will become worthless. And so you will get a chain that is longer according to that definition. 
but I think still that the most energy pumped into the chain will define Bitcoin because uh, it's the most secure one, right? Because uh, all these uh, miners out there that are uh, using their specific hardware yep. to secure the blockchain will, if if you try to change the the algorithm on what proof of work is, then all these miners will become worthless and the chain will also become worthless because it will no longer be secure. Yeah, you need the energy. And that also... Uh comes um, down to the formula that I've sort of formulated, Bitcoin formula, which is uh, sort of energy divided by time equals security, which is truth in this area. But let's go into that a bit later. Uh, I'd like to talk in this episode about what's... Because we went through sort of the last 5,000 years <laughs> in our last two episodes, but we didn't really get into sort of the, the last 20 years and all the specifics that's been happening in the last 20 years. Uh, for instance, the, um, the BTM... Well, it's an, it's an, a Bitcoin teller machine, an ATM, but we're talking about a Bitcoin teller machine. These machines uh, cropped up or popped up a couple of years ago. And I brought a machine to Stockholm about a year ago in February. We had an event called Bitcoin Funfair. Uh, the event is still available online, BitcoinFunfair.com. And it's going to be another event. Uh, the guys that are planning another, another event uh, are working on it right now. And... Um, um, uh, I'd like to talk about how the uh, experiences we had uh, bringing the BTM here to Stockholm. Because we had a big event where we, we uh, collected a lot of merchants together and we helped them, um, uh, we te- teach them more or less how to use uh, a Bitcoin wallet, how to uh, sell stuff for Bitcoin. And um, the experience or the, the learnings we got were more or, le- more or less that uh, they weren't ready for this. They thought it was much easier to use a regular credit card, a Visa or MasterCard, uh, to sell their stuff. And they had these iSettle solutions, the Swedish iSettle solution, to um, um, to sell their sort of flea market kind of stuff. Uh, but the BTM was very popular. We brought one BTM to this space, and put it in the lobby, and we had several thousands of guests coming there, and most of them were very interested in BTM. Just for their own sort of interest to they wanted to try it out to put in fiat money into the machine and to get some bitcoin out there were no real use cases for it but people really wanted to just try it out which was a, an interesting experience but the, now uh, the btm has been placed right across from the central bank of sweden in stockholm there's a space there called epicenter where a lot of sort of startups uh, get together and um, they rent uh, uh, an office or they rent a uh, um, part of a table to work there. It's like a startup accelerator kind of place. And um, the funny thing about it is that it's situated right across from the central bank. And um, the guy who runs this uh, BTM now is called Christian Ander, a Swedish guy. He started an exchange uh, called BTCX a couple of years ago, where he uh, well helped people to exchange from fiat to Bitcoin in different ways using bank accounts. But now he uses the, this BTM more or less. Uh, and I did an interview with this guy just a few days ago, or maybe <laughs> even a few weeks ago it was, uh, where we talked about this. And let's listen to the interview first and then comment on you know the BTM business. All right. So here, here it is. This is Christian Ander from BTCX. And welcome to Christian Ander, right? That's the right pronunciation? Yes. Pronunciation. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. Christian Ander. But it's a Swedish name? It is a Swedish name, yes. You are from Sweden? I am. From where? Stockholm, Solna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you studied in Lund, right? Yeah. 
I've been around in, in Sweden both. Lund, Malmö, uh, Copenhagen yeah. and Göteborg. And why am I interviewing you? Because you have gotten into Bitcoin very early mm-hmm. in Sweden, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What year was it? Uh, I found Bitcoin in a basement 2011. In a basement? Yes, in Östermalm. They uh-huh. have a free open source uh, nerd uh, basement, basically, where you do everything with computers, uh-huh. no matter how old they are. Yeah, and you were a nerd? Or I, are, are you a nerd? I'm still a nerd. Yeah. I, I, What's your education? Uh, I'm quantum physicist from, yeah. from Lund and Uppsala. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that's also quite nerdy. It's very nerdy. But I, I, I actually have a kind of stupid, uh, maybe simple sort of comparison between the Bitcoin network and quantum physics. Mm, mm. You know, I, I mean, talking about the measurement problem or the sort of the insecurity, you, you can't tell the state of particles yeah. and speed or position at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And Heisenberg. Yeah. So it's more about, that, that's very similar to the blocks of Bitcoin because you don't know where next... Uh, the next block will come from, mm. or who will, who will find it, mm. or exactly what it'll contain. Mm. Mm. It's just sort mm. of floating up there until we sort of narrow it down and measure it. Then we mm. get the results. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of I think yes. comparison to the yes. quantum f- physics world. Yeah, it's yeah statistics basically and yeah. probabilities. But how did you sort of uh, what was it about Bitcoin that got you in- interested in it back then? I was uh, I was doing my research in Uppsala and was also looking into other business opportunities. Yeah. And I was looking into a platform for second-hand goods. And I needed to find a payment solution for it. And uh, since uh, second-hand can be really cheap, uh, a card fee was not uh, it was too expensive. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, that was 2011. Okay. So I um, I said to myself basically, okay, I, I'm 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 probably gonna need to buy a, a or build a, a, my own uh, financial system. And the week, next week, I found Bitcoin in this basement. Okay, so I was quite uh, <laughs> good timing. Yeah, <laughs> I was quite happy. So that was it. You just got into it immediately. Did you feel you understood it immediately? Or uh, no, I mean, I still uh, discover things about it today, five years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's really, really interesting. But yeah, I, I when I heard about it, it was open source, and I lo- always loved open source. So I was like, okay, open source money, this this is so cool. Yeah. So I s- downloaded the blockchain like five minutes after uh, they told me and started mining the very next day. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you mined in 2011? Yeah, but just with the CPU. CPU yeah. So it, I, I don't, I don't think even I had uh, have the wallet left. Okay, but, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the same for me. I lost the computer from 2011 in the spring. So mm. we just mined for fun at an office. Yeah. We didn't understand at all. But no, there was just no point to you know. Funny numbers and yeah, 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 yeah. Open source. But how's it, how, how's it been since then? What did you start off doing? I mean, in this space. Um, yeah, so it took me like a year before I actually tried to do something professional with it. Um, uh, the first problem I encountered was if you're going to buy Bitcoin, how do you do that? Yeah. And at that time, there was Mt. Gox, who was the, the biggest exchange. Uh, but it took took me over a week to send money there. It's yeah. in Japan. So 
um, I I said like okay maybe there's uh, other people in Sweden who has the same problem so I, I started a I took actually a, a weekend and opened up uh, BTCX okay um, yeah. so it was uh, so BTCX was the first venture yeah yeah it's still the main venture it is yeah. it is yeah. and so what what mechanisms are you offering there Basically, it's the same mechanism as four years ago, and yeah. that's buying Bitcoin uh, quick. Yeah. And, uh, so you transfer your from money from your bank account to your web page and get your Bitcoins back to your wallet or something? Yeah. So today it's automated uh, with Swish and or Bankiro. In Sweden, yeah. In Sweden, in, we have Swish. In, in Sweden, yes. Swish is for your your international listeners. It's a sort of Swedish kind of central bank money. People can send in between each other on their phones. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty pretty amazing thing. Yeah. It's a pretty new thing, very modern thing from the Swedish central bank. Yeah, yeah. So you use, you're allowed to use the Swish. Yeah. System. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now it just takes instead of seven days, five years, four years ago, it, now it takes uh, below than three minutes for yeah for the Swedish people to get Bitcoin. Well, that's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, I mean they they're happy. Yeah, and the central bank is helping out. They are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we, we our office is next to the central bank of Sweden so yep. they actually come over sometimes and Yeah. And um when they have guests from other countries they tend to send them over to me uh, and, mm. and and yeah I mean we work with money they work with money yes. and it's uh, yeah. So they uh, send people over to talk about bitcoin with you or Yes. Yeah yeah yeah. Bitcoin and blockchain and mm. and our office is in epicenter. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Which is also about innovation. Mm-hmm. So there, uh, I don't know. That's in central Stockholm, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've also been on, on on a meeting with the Riksbanken and talked about Bitcoin. They're getting more and more interested in yeah. this area. They need yeah. to understand it, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's growing so fast. Yeah. But uh, then over the years, has, what other other mechanisms have you been offering? Is it just the exchange you've been doing? Um, we've been experimenting. We had um, a point of sale sh- solution two years ago. Uh huh. And that was popular among like um, cafes and, and smaller restaurants to, to to just have an option. Um, and then we also tried other currencies, cryptocurrencies like Litecoin, Dogecoin, and and uh, oh, yeah. and but they go they usually go in waves. Like right now, Ethereum is the hottest. Um, so it's the hottest, maybe compared to. All the other altcoins. But yeah. If you compare it to Bitcoin, it's nothing at all. Really, it's like really, really. No. It's just among among the banking or fintech sort of consultant industry. Yeah. There's where the Ethereum is sort of yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. But we we tend to follow the the, the trends yeah. and, and what the consumer want. We we deliver. So you are you delivering ethers or? We we are not. No. Uh, but we are looking into it. Okay. Uh, it's a bit of a you know technical building uh, yeah. to get it in place but the proof of uh, proof of um sorry i'm just a bit mourning <laughs> proof the, of the, coffee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i need some proof of coffee the the point of sale solution that wasn't something you wouldn't wanted to, to go forward with was the because of the competition or um yeah we we actually changed the platform two years ago so we had to remove everything and rebuild it again mm-hmm. and uh, so so we have been uh, building a, a new one, yeah. which we are just testing right now. But are you only uh, offering your service to Swedish customers or any country in the world? Or Our main platform, bt.cx, yes. is for Europe. Okay. Um, but all the other services are right now only for the Swedish market. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
yeah, when it's working and we try it out, we just go. And it's only within the EU. Yeah, and that's for because of the money laundering rules. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we go outside of EU, we need to adapt to other markets, and and then we need to uh, put a lot of effort in. A lot of money. Yeah, it, it's really costly to to run a financial business. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but you and I have actually collaborated in one way actually, earlier. I, I brought a BTM, a Bitcoin BTM, to Sweden about a year ago. Or, yeah, yes. and we tried that out for a while, just just a, like a research project for this um, event mm. that mm. I did, Bitcoin Fund Fair in Stockholm. Yeah, where we had uh, this. Well, this is, this is a company in, in Copenhagen. Yes, uh, OpenCoin, a Copencoin is yes. called, right? Yes, yes. yes. And um, we got a BTM here last year, and we saw a lot of people testing it out, trying it out yeah. at this event. People liked people like to use the BTM. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we and the BTM is an is an ATM, but for Bitcoin, of course. You put yes. in your fiat, you know, bills, and you get some Bitcoin back to your yeah. phone, right? Yeah. yeah, you convert your paper bills into uh, cryptographically yeah tokens. Yeah, yeah. Basically. So so the BTM is an is an interesting sort of concept. Yeah. And um, people liked it during the Bitcoin Funfair event, but then you have taken it over since then, more or less, to research that project. And yes, how is it that? How what, what do you see? What's the benefits of a BTM or having that in a um, location it, on it's, physical location? Yeah, I mean, I see two very clear uh, things. I mean, it's a good marketing thing. Um, Epicenter is a, is a popular place, so many yeah. companies. I mean, big companies as Telia and SCB is there. Mm. And they see the BTM and they see Bitcoin and they oh, okay, it makes Bitcoin real. Yeah. And uh, so many people just go there and buy Bitcoin for 100 kroner or 20 kroner just to like, oh, is this really working or how is it working? Yeah. And then it also has a, another usage and it, it's people who have cash and they want to use Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's also another market that uh, our platform is not supporting. But it's may, but it's not people for for selling Bitcoin to the, B- the BTM. People are not doing that, are they? Um, they're mainly getting Bitcoin it, from it. It depends on how the the the, the, the value of Bitcoin is going. Okay. So if, if the exchange rate goes up, people are selling Bitcoin on, in the BTM. No, the other way. If if Bitcoin is going down as it did last spring, yeah, then people are selling Bitcoin, oh. and if it's going up, they are buying. Okay. <laughs> so they're following the trend basically. All right. So, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. But um, so the machine is uh, just standing there in a in a place in Stockholm, and people are just going in there and using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Hmm. Do you want to talk about your banking relationship at all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my banking relationship. Uh, I had yeah, I, I had six different banks. You've had it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had them all in in, in Sweden basically. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, right now it's actually going. Better and better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are understanding that this is an interesting innovation, so they they want to be uh, informed. Or I mean, they have a lot of questions. Yes, yes. And and uh, but a few years back, they did everything they could to uh, not uh, like us, or I don't know, they yeah. didn't like us. So, so it yeah. was a big. Uh, they, job they put obstacles in the way for people or businesses wanting to use Bitcoin. Many yeah. of the banks did, yeah. We have some banks in Sweden actually that are pretty positive towards Bitcoin and are there they are mm-hmm. accepting Bitcoin businesses, which is very nice. Yeah. And it's it's clever to do that. It's smarter to sort of if you want to understand something, you can't just block it out. Mm. You need to sort of work with it to understand it. Yeah. And then you can sort of make a decision on whether it's good or bad or if you know how people are going to use this. So I think the banks are 
coming around to that fact that they need mm. to sort of we can't just you know. Do, do you agree with that assessment? I totally agree. Yeah. And uh, um, um, when I'm talking with the banks, they kind of understand that, and and I also get I I I make a comparison with. Uh, browsing and said like why would you build a web page not supporting http yeah and it's like why would you build a a payment system or a um uh, transaction of any value uh, not using the blockchain and and when i said that they kind of okay yeah yeah and they most banks sit with very old system and they are, yeah. all of them are looking into rebuilding it yeah yeah and and i think uh, at least the Swedish banks, they they are going to do all of them is going to do something with the blockchain. Yeah, they just don't know what. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, it takes time to understand the blockchain. It and, does. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 But and, and it's a very interesting time right now. Sort of the um, the change where you know the, the the exchange rate or the NIRP has gone down. We have the negative interest rates. Yeah. And we have uh, banks so sort of. More or less want to get rid of their cash. Yeah, people now. If you have money, it costs money to have money. If mm. you think about money as cash, yeah, more or less. Yeah, you know? yeah. So this is an a, an interesting sort of point in time where they maybe want to move away from cash or fiat fiat yes. currencies. Yeah. And Bitcoin is here right now at the same sort of same time. Yeah. But it, they're not thinking about Bitcoin as a replacement for their own money or cash. Of course. No. 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 Is it like a complement? They're thinking about Bitcoin, right? Um. Or Good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, or maybe even a competitor somehow. Or mm, mm, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I since I started with Bitcoin, I kind of been very enthusiastic about it and like, okay, this I want this to become our new world currency. Yeah, it's global. It's uh, kind of democratic. It's no one is in charge basically, and th- that is uh, some values I would like to see in a world currency. Mm. But then you have uh, in, in nations you have different other interests, uh, like politics and, and banking system, especially from RICS or central bank. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm looking into now is okay. So maybe we should put the Swedish krona on the blockchain. It will have similar uh, attributes as Bitcoin. Uh, so that's actually what the, we are working now and talking with the banks and. and payment industry yeah yeah well that that, that kind of m- movement is going around all over the world i mean yeah. each and every bank and government is looking into that sort of yeah. create our own bitcoin or our own sort yeah of version in, of it in yeah. one way or another yeah yeah and we'll see if that succeeds or not mm. me personally i'll say they won't succeed with that because mm. you know, mm. bitcoin doesn't really work like that I, i'd say it's not if you want to have a government controlling it then it's centralized and yeah. we already have that kind of you know, centralized you, databases like a fiat currency it's the yes. same thing you know, so. but you can do a combination it pro- pro- maybe yeah. well, we'll see going forward how, yeah how, we will how, see yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's possible to do a side chain for instance and that side chain can be a national currency or a sovereign yeah. currency maybe maybe but it's yes. just promises and just today we have one mechanism in bitcoin is value transferring that works yeah we don't know much about anything other mechanism at no. all no just promises guesses ideas yeah nothing has really been coming to fruition right just re- uh, just yet well, I mean, everything is a big experiment. Yeah. yeah. So and, and there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, and people think this will go fast. It won't go fast. It'll mm. take years. Mm. It'll take five, ten years only to get to these mechanisms, I think. Yeah. I I mean, 
I that's also what I realized uh, when I started with this. I was like, okay, in two years, everyone will use this. This <laughs> yeah. is so cool. I mean, I see the technology, I see the benefits and the beauty, and yeah. and and for me, it went quick. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, um, that was the same thing back in 1994, 95 when the web came. Yeah, for us, you know, nerds, we oh, this is going to be well. We, 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 we. Yeah, and fifteen then, years later, we yeah, have YouTube. Fifteen years later, we have YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's more right. But how do you see sort of the immediate future, and then what are you going to go into doing the next like one to two years? Because we have a sort of a, a business where things are going much slower than the VC people mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. initially, at least. Mm-hmm. So I mean, are you just going to move forward with these the, the exchange with the brokerage? I think you're doing and the BTM thing, or yeah, that, that I mean, basically the goal of our company is to connect. Uh, regular fiat with cryptocurrencies and we don't really take a stand if that's bitcoin or litecoin or ethereum or or whatever it's like we're following the market and what we're good at is doing compliance and cryptocurrency so in that bridge is where we will always be for instance now we have uh, swish connected to blockchain in a very very quick way and uh, and continue Yeah, well, it's not connected to the blockchain, really. It's it's connected through you. you you're an in, in intermediate, yeah. and you are sort of. But you can do a, a, a switch transaction. It end up, ends up on the blockchain with the help of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and having that mindset is what we're continuing building with. So if if there is a national cryptocurrency, Swedish kroner, we will do the same with that. Yeah. Okay. So I see you want to be sort of the the. The shit in between. <laughs> the shit. Yeah, I call it the bridge. Yeah, the bridge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you want to sort of um, help everybody <clears throat> get their old money into the new system. into the new money system. Yeah, I usually talk about um, landline phones and mobile phones. Yeah. So we want to be. You want to be able to make a phone call from the landline phone to the mobile phone. Yeah. And that's need to be seamless. Okay. That's a good analogy. Mm, like mm. that one. So, what else is up on the uh, sort of horizon now? What, what are you doing right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm also working with an event called Urban Burn. All right. Which is a Swedish um, copy of uh, Burning Man. Okay. okay yeah, which yeah. they will have in in Stockholm in in March, 11 of March. In Stockholm, uh, there's no desert here, right? No, there's no desert, but they founded a deserted building. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in Sikla. Yeah. And uh, so there will be a lot of uh, crypto people there, and oh. also people from the makerspace yeah. and artists, both like painting and music. And cool. What date is it? Do you know that? Yeah, eleventh to thirteenth of March. Of March. March. No? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, in a month, basically. Yeah, and the connection to Bitcoin is, uh, of course, that it's sort of freedom. Yeah, freedom, uh, alternative, and yeah, yeah mostly freedom. Burning Man is much about artistic freedom and, and doing what you want. So are you, are you taking part in arranging that, or I'm I'm going to hold a workshop. Okay. Yeah. And and I mean it's, it's an open space, so probably mm-hmm. there will be hundreds of workshops from 
uh, in depth of things and painting and dancing and, and martial arts to Bitcoin and, and 3D printing. And cool. Great. I'll, I'll, I'll go there if I can. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely come, come yeah, there. I think that it's a good place to be. I've always wanted Stockholm. to go to Burning Man too. I've never gone there. Have, have you gone there? No, no. no me okay. too. Next year. Next year. So, okay. This summer. Yeah. This summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Thanks for this little session yeah, here yeah. for the podcast. Thank you. Uh, if people out there, if you want to uh, interact with uh, Christian Ander, you can go to his uh, Twitter account, I guess. Yes. And the handle is at Ander, C-H-R-I-X, right? Correct. Ander Cricks, something like yes. that. Yes. Ander Cricks. Well, great. Thanks. Thank you. Maybe I can talk to you again soon. Yeah, sure. You're okay. welcome. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay. So that was the interview with Christian Ander. Very interesting. And this uh, Urban Burn event he's talking about is actually taking place this weekend in Stockholm. Uh, This interview was a few weeks old, but uh, now it is very uh, recent uh, for this uh, Urban Burn event. Which is a very interesting event where I think they'll, they'll be using some Bitcoin there too. Anyway, I brought this BTM uh, to Stockholm in collaboration with Daniel Capiello from uh, Copencoin in Denmark. And the interesting, the interesting thing about BTMs is uh, what are they for? What, what's the point of them today? I think that uh, the best explana- explanation is that regular people, the man on the street, can get access to Bitcoin by by just. You know, exchanging fiat money for Bitcoin. Yeah. Because uh, today, if you want to buy Bitcoin, you would have basically scanning your passport, all your identification. Everything has to be sent to an exchange and then they approve it and you open an account and then you can start trading and you have to t- do bank transfers. So it's a quite a complicated process. And I slow. think, yeah, it's slow. Also, it takes a couple of days before the money shows up in your account. And then you can trade it, and uh, so so it, it is a very complicated process and slow process. But it's also a good process if you want lots of Bitcoin, right? If you mm. if you, I don't know, if you take ten thousand dollars, yeah, that's but, an easy way. But they have some limits on how much you can exchange per day over there. And let's say I want to use Bitcoin to buy something, I can use my Zappo card, 
which is connected to my Bitcoin account at Sapo, which is a custodian, of course. So I don't really have control over the Bitcoin they have, but I can use it. So as long as I can get uh, approved by Sapo or Coinbase, they also have a card like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I think it's uh, perfectly viable to have uh, services that lets you have a reserve in Bitcoin and then you use that reserve to buy things with. Uh, so there are all bo- both pros and cons with that approach. You have to bear in mind that Bitcoin is quite volatile in yeah. terms, I mean, but it's volatile in both directions. So, <laughs> if, yeah. But the BTM is for people who want to exchange fiat, I mean, paper bills into Bitcoin. Exactly. And we're, yes. talk- we're talking about a type of cash, which is, you know, the paper bills are a type of cash. And Bitcoin is also a type of cash. It's correct. In a way. Yeah. So the definition of cash is interesting. So yeah. my definition of cash is not about whether it's paper or electronic. My definition of cash is if there is capital controls on it. Okay. If there's no capital control, nobody can stop you from using it. Yeah. Then it is cash, right? And Bitcoin is even better cash than paper cash because the central bank could go out tomorrow and say that all the $100 bills are going to be invalid, yeah. are not going to be allowed to be used tomorrow, right? Yeah. That can never happen with Bitcoin unless the entire blockchain collapses. But mm-hmm. as long there, as, as the network is upheld by all these participants, miners and buyers and sellers and everything, Nobody can stop it. My account, my the number of bitcoins I have on my account will stay there forever until I use them. Or they can only stop it by turning off the internet. I mean, uh, well, even if they turn off the internet, the blockchain is still stored on a hard drive. Yeah, (laughs) once once internet comes back online, you can use it. You can use it again. (laughs) So you can still store your value until they turn it off, turn it on again. Yeah, exactly. So we think Bitcoin is a better cash type of cash. But this is a problem for all the people. I mean, they're talking a lot about taking away the cash from society at, at large in Sweden, for instance. The, yeah. the, the goal of some politicians and, and, of course, of the banks to, is to get rid of the cash. Yeah. So there, there's, uh, there are two uh, explanations to that, I think. Right. The, yeah. the first one is that those people who use cash today, they're, they're essentially old people. Who, who are uncomfortable with uh, technology. It's too complicated to use a cell phone with uh, bank accounts and, and stuff like that. So they, they want paper cash because that's what they're grown up with and they know how to use it. But as you know, the number of places, especially in Sweden, that accept cash are reduced because yeah. you, can, you, can, you, can, you can actually say at the front door of a, of, of a shop and say, we do not accept cash. Yet. Yeah, and I've seen that lately more and more at cafes. There's a sign when you buy the coffee. It says, we don't take cash. But it's like they think that's a positive message. This yeah. is a cash-free place. Yes. And I'm like... What's good about that? Yeah, I, and it's it's kind of unfortunate that old people are are uh, that are not comfortable with using technology, and mm. there are some people who can't even have bank accounts. Exactly. I mean, you have refugees and and other people, like, yeah. and 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 uh, th- there are people who live without identification uh, in this country. I mm. mean, for whatever reason, right? If there are people who have big debts and then can't can't get a bank account or a credit uh, card today. So, so I think there is a problem. I think that. I'm totally supportive of the movement of trying to ensure that cash is a legal 
uh, obligation to accept. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to refuse cash. I agree at with all. that. Yeah, I think uh, so too. because I think it's kind of unfortunate that there are groups of people who n- will not be able to uh, participate in the economic society. Uh, so if, if if Bitcoin, but, but then it sets the stage for it sets the stage for Bitcoin to take over. Yeah, well. That doesn't solve the, the problem with the, the old people, right? They are not comfortable with Bitcoin either. <laughs> but but uh, the good thing about Bitcoin is that uh, if you're or if you're a refugee, like in Syria, for instance, and and let's say that Bitcoin is m- way more accepted than it is today, right? Yeah. He could basically take all his wealth and store it in his brain. If you use a brain wallet, yeah. so if you have a really good password, you have to be very uh, careful about picking your your password but yeah. imagine that you do that you can store it in your brain and then you flee the country and when you show up here you can basically safely go uh, no. take a, some some electronic wallet but you still have access to your wealth and you don't have a bank account you can still participate in the economic society you can you can buy things you can buy food or you can do the things that you are uh, are able to do with normal economic activity yeah. so so in that sense, Bitcoin is very nice in terms of, of those properties because it's very similar to cash. You don't have to have a, an account, a custodial, a bank, or you don't have to trust anyone. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, and, and, and Bitcoin is even safer than cash because if you store it in your brain, the brain wallet, uh, the only way a, a thief can steal your money is basically by kidnapping you or you know threatening you to yeah death. E- even then you can give him the fake brain wallet password yeah you have just a small amount of bitcoin stored exactly so you can never know for sure that you have mm. the real bitcoin right so so yeah it's a, it's a great way of, of of defining cash in the new society yeah. i would say but even if cash would be uh, removed from the swedish society or let's say from the eu the dollar that the U.S. dollar will still be around for a long time to come, I'd say, because it's everywhere in the world. It's a very difficult thing to take away the U.S. dollar. So that kind of cash will still be there. So the BTMs will still be there for a long time, even if we take away our cash. Because you can, see, if you want to use sort of the, the gray market or black market areas, uh, you need to use the U.S. dollar in the future. Then, well, there will always be cash in some form, I yeah. expect, because people. But I but, think but, people will even invent new to- types of cash if the government takes away their cash. Well, uh, what I think they can, do it already in Bitcoin. Well, so, so there are two things, right? So, yeah. cash is convenient because of these paper bills and coins, and the property you need to have on cash is that it should be very difficult to forge it, right? Yeah. And today we have governments who are very careful in producing these notes. To make sure that they are not, that they cannot be forged, right? That's the main property, right, of the of the cash bills. Mm. But then it's very easy to exchange. You just hand it over mm. uh, to to someone, mm. and and uh, so so. But there is another reason why governments want to. Uh, Get away with cash, right? Yeah, yeah. So there are two reasons. The, the first, syrup, re- the, the first, the first reason is that what you normally say the official, the official reason is that uh, the For economic society functions must much faster. It becomes more liquid because you don't have to think about the the paper bills and yeah, to they, secure them. They talk about them. the terrorist stuff too, yeah. No, well, terrorist, ter- no, yeah, but traceable I, I, money. Yeah, that, that's perhaps one aspect of it. But yeah. I think that the more normal economic aspect is that uh, cash is a very slow and unsecure way of transferring wealth between accounts. 
and between people. So yeah. uh, you want to so so that's that's the typical message that you send is that we need to get, get uh, uh, go away with cash because then you don't have to uh, use your vehicles to transport a lot of cash from one place to another to the to the bank etc cetera, etc. Cetera. There, there's yeah. a lot of which is a good thing yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of uh, you know uh, energy being spent on transferring these cash uh, yeah, back and forth. Yeah, re- replacing the yeah. bills every five years. Or so. But then there's this conspiracy theory as well, right? That Banks want to uh, central banks or governments wants to get rid of cash because uh, uh, well the official message is usually to stop money laundering and terrorists, but I think also and this is the conspiracy theory that they want if you get away with if you get rid of cash you can introduce negative interest rates yeah yeah because then there's no way a citizens can extract the money from the bank. To avoid the negative interest rate, yeah, which is yeah. what you normally do, right? Yeah. Today, banks get negative interest rates on their uh, uh, account on the central bank, in, in 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 at least in Sweden, right, mm. and in Switzerland and in some other countries in yeah. Denmark as well, and and but they don't want to pass on this cost to the account holders because they're afraid that the account holders will withdraw their money into paper form. And then they can avoid the negative interest if the bank pushes the negative interest on their customers, yeah. which then becomes a problem because then the uh, if people start withdrawing their money from the bank, what happens is that the bank becomes a zombie bank. Nobody use there's no money being transported in that bank. Yeah. No, there's no economic activity, but their debt to the central bank, the regular bank's debt to the central bank increases in the same amount as people withdraw their money from the bank so it's just a reshuffling of debt if you if you do that but the bank has a requirement in law or actually it's not a law but the central bank specifies how much reserves the bank must have yeah. at the central bank mm-hmm. and if you go below that line the limit then uh, the bank becomes insolvent. Yeah, but then and they can just increase the limit for all of them, right? It, it no, be... they reduce the limit for all of them, and that right. happens in China, for instance, <laughs> a couple of times. They usually always reduce the limit when yeah. there is a problem. And yes, the, the 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 Swedish central bank can do that too. But when you do that, when you reduce the limit, it, you put the bank on risk because a bank needs to make payments to their customers every day right they have a and they use their liquidity on the central bank account to settle these payments yeah. and it the bank must never ever default on those payments that's why they need to have a reserve on the central bank yeah. and that's why the central bank tries to put a limit and if they go below that limit they have to lend from the central bank and yeah. how they lend from the central bank they put they use uh, bonds yeah. that they uh, deposit at the central bank and and in return they get money and that's called a repo repurchase agreement is the uh, but why are they hoarding cash in on, in some german banks now then uh, well the interesting aspect is that the the negative interest the central bank is trying to increase the economy uh, the economic activity uh, in the country for every country where the central bank exists and they do so by trying to punish banks having money at the central bank and they think that by punishing them having a negative interest rate means that you it's associated uh, there's an associated cost of storing your money at the central yeah. bank which means that they think that the 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 idea here is that they, that will re- that will uh, 
that will uh, let the banks lend their reserves or the extra money they have at the central bank to the people or to the economy, which means that we get more economic activity. That's the theory. That's the Keynesian theory in, in large, yeah. at large uh, to do that. But that doesn't work. No, I it's, mean, it's a not, crazy and yeah. confused system. All yeah, of this. yeah, it's, yeah, it's a I very, agree. very, very comp- complicated. It's theory. a very, very complicated system, and I, I'm I will spend some time talking about that in my blog. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. a couple of weeks, I will try. I'm trying to digest all the thoughts in my head to to yeah. write something about this. But cool. This is a very complicated but subject. It, yeah. yeah. If we want to compare it to Bitcoin, let's 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 do that. Or do you want? Could, to could we just yeah. finish the one with the uh, where you say that the Swiss banks are hoarding cash, or yeah. well, there there are more banks trying to do that. Yeah. So that's a way of banks storing. They they basically take out the uh, money in terms of paper bills and store them in a vault, yeah. which is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's actually what banks used to do. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah. B- before computers existed, that's exactly what they did. Right, they had cash and in some the gold, vault. maybe, and yeah, some gold. Silver, yeah. But they need to have cash because mm. they they need to settle payments every day right and and people would probably only accept cash they wouldn't accept gold because prices are set in in the currency of the country yeah. so so uh, but there's a nice way of of avoiding the central bank negative interest rate by basically pulling out all your money in cash and store it in the vault they it's legal to do so for banks yeah and and some banks are starting to do that but of course uh, the number of paper bills run out because we don't have that much paper bills in in the, in the country right well if the purpose of all the all, all these strange actions the banks and the central banks are doing is to uphold the value of the currency for everybody involved more or less it's different for different countries in in in, in europe the ecb is doing this because they want to According to the economic models, the Keynesian theory is that more money brings more economic activity. And because the economic activity is stagnating in Europe, they are just pumping more and more money and hoping that things are going to pick up. Yeah, they try to increase the velocity of money here. But it doesn't happen, right? Banks are just taking their, th- that money and put oh, yeah. them uh, keep them at the at the, at the central bank yeah. or they buy stocks or or even gold with them so yeah. the money doesn't gets its way through the economy uh, no, economy they should anyway. learn that from the uh, financial crisis in the states when they gave all this QA, QE money to the banks that did not increase the velocity of money in the way they intended it to do yeah. uh, it's a delayed effect yes and and the the other the other scaring part here is, is that when banks print more money, which is basically what QE is, that's the layman term of QE, uh, uh, is that the bank prints money, is that the banks gets the printed money, right? And then they then then they are supposed to lend it out, but they don't, so they buy stocks with it or invest it in stocks or whatever, and and uh, so so there there is no. Uh, so, so it means that the rich people get richer yeah. when the central banks inject more money in the society. And we have seen that since the 1970s, that yeah. the difference between the, the, you know, the different incomes groups are diverging and the top 1% is accelerating. Yeah. They, they are getting more and more wealth. Yeah, and that's the probably the reason why we have Bitcoin here now. I'd guess that that's why Satoshi did Bitcoin. And Satoshi did Bitcoin because he was extremely mad 
at uh, uh, the governments were bailing out the banks. So once the banks, they they invested their money unwisely Mm. and they were basically going under. And instead of punishing the banks, uh, the government was so afraid. So they will say, "Okay, we're going to bail out the banks. And it's it's and that's a very technical, easy thing to do, because what you do is just you put some new numbers in the computer system and all is good. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> and but it, if you think about really hard about it, what happens is that uh, it's the taxpayers that 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 gets punished yeah. for rescuing the banks. And it has there is no, has never been an example where bailing out the banks has been profitable for the people. Not even in Sweden, right? No, no, no. People uh, tend to say that in Sweden, wow, it was a great success story. We were bailing out the banks in the early 90s and everything was good and now the people has got back their money. No. Mm. If you do the ca- calculation, the, the, the taxpayers have lost. Yeah. And, and, and so, therefore, they're changing the, w- the rules now, right? They're changing the rules so that this should never happen again. So the Sweden, the Sweden were fighting in the Europe and uh, in, in EU to try to pursue, uh, to push for their model because they were saying they were so success, success, successful, mm. but it wasn't, right? So they got, uh, they got uh, overruled. Mm. So the new rules from the uh, EU is that there's going to be a bail-in, yeah. right? Which means that there, it's the shareholders of the bank and the ultimately it will be at the account holders at okay. the bank yeah. that will get punished first like in cyprus like in cyprus yeah. so that's going to be the new model and the reason for this model is that the taxpayers of the country should never be uh, should never be the ones who pay for a specific bank going under now this is very bad for sweden because we only have four big banks that owns the entire market every bank of these four banks is systemic which means that we basically too big to fail yeah yeah too big to fail mm-hmm. so we have no choice basically so in uh, in Sweden we th- there would be no difference uh, essentially because the the consequence of of saying that the fourth uh, a fourth of all the citizens in the country lose their money or some of their money at the bank is going to be a complete disaster yeah, yeah yeah because people will lose faith in the banks and they will try to find some other ways of storing their wealth. Bitcoin. And yes, Bitcoin could be one of the options <laughs> yeah. if that happens. But but if we just compare how Bitcoin gets its value to how fiat or all these actors in fiat are trying to uphold the value of their currencies. So because this is an interesting subject too, how does Bitcoin work compared to fiat? We've talked a lot about Bitcoin in these episodes. Yes. Done, but we haven't talked about actually the the mining part of Bitcoin. For instance, uh, I'd, I define Bitcoin as an information network backed by energy divided by time. Because you put a lot of energy into it, and you have this sort of guesswork algorithm, which on average measures that energy and gets an output in form of these uh, blocks of transactions, on average every 10 minutes. So, um, so yeah, but what happens today is that uh, each block is uh, the transactions that the people on this network want to transmit to transact, right? That's one part of it. But the first transaction in that block goes to the miner. Yeah, the Coinbase reward. That, that's called, called the Coinbase reward. And that is currently 25 Bitcoins, and it's going to 
very soon, I think in a couple of months, going to be reduced now. Like in June or July, yeah. June or July to 12, 12 and a half. And every fourth year, it's going to have have again, right? Yep, yep. So, so uh, which means that uh, you you would think that why is that such a why is it that way? I mean, that sounds crazy, right? Why is that good? Why is that good? Why is that good? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the reason for that, what happens is that because new bitcoins gets into circulation every ten minutes, and the new ones are the Coinbase. And if you count them up, today's 25 bitcoins per 10 minutes, yeah. and you count them up per day, it's going to be 3,600 bitcoins per day, right? Yeah. That's on be, average. On average. And that's going to be halved to 1,800 in a couple of months. So what that what is the total base supply of bitcoins today? It's like 13 million yeah, or something. 13 right? or 14 or something. Yeah. So if you, think, if you calculate this very carefully, how many coins do you get per year... Right, three thousand three thousand six hundred times three hundred sixty-five. Then you can calculate the inflation rate of Bitcoin, yeah. right? And that's going to be reduced, and it's very high now. But it's going to redu- be reduced now to around four percent, I think, in in July, right? Mm-hmm. So when the inflation rates goes down, uh, it means that less coins are getting into circulation, less new coins are getting into circulation, yeah. which means that the price of Bitcoin is going up. It yeah, has to go up. It should go up. It should go up. To be able to, if, to pay for the en- energy used to produce them well, uh, th- that's the mining one, part. Well, that's one aspect. Yeah. But ignore the mining part. Mm-hmm. If the uh, demand is constant, then the price must go up. Yeah, because there'll be less Bitcoins. If demand goes down, then the price will go down. But the miners, I mean, the miners have to sell their Bitcoins. So that's where the important part of the the equation here. But what happens is that the the reward will get halved, right? So it means that unless the demand goes up, making Bitcoin more valuable, which should go up because there are less Bitcoin in in circulation. But if that doesn't happen... Right. Uh, then miners will take a hit, which is going to be enormous. And some miners will go under because they will go bankrupt. Yeah. Because, uh, as you say, it costs them a lot of money to participate right. in this co- competitive business. And some miners go under and the difficulty adjusts and yeah. things move on. Right. There's, there's no problems for users. There's no problem for Bitcoin per se. It will no. always take care of itself. From the point of view of Bitcoin, it doesn't care who mines it, just that somebody mines it. Well, it it doesn't even matter how many mines it. No. There's no. As, as long as it's a lot more than the next most powerful exactly. coin so, out there. So, so the, the, the competitive market of Bitcoin will make sure that it's secure enough to be used, right? So, exactly. So I, it's a very self-regulating yeah. uh, system. That's what it is. And, self-regulating. And it's very self-regulating. And that's why it's so interesting to, to read Reddit these days or to read mainstream media because they don't at all try seem, seem to see this part of Bitcoin. That it is self-regulating. I mean, like the big big businesses, the big VC capitalized companies, where they're sort of trying to, um, for instance, increase the block size to be able to have more of, of their own kind of transactions for, for a very low fee or for free. Uh, I'd say that Bitcoin is misunderstood, that it's not really... Uh, produced it's not made for those kind of businesses the, the, i mean like let, let's say an exchange we have need, need to have a high frequency 
transaction sort of speed. They they already have solutions for that. They don't need Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is growing because there are people who need Bitcoin. Bitcoin are for the kind of, of transactions that somebody else says you can't do. Yeah. More or less. Today, Bitcoin is mostly. I think there's a lot of illicit activity that what Bitcoin is used for. But, yes. but uh, probably, uh, yeah, probably. But it's also used for a lot of legitimate businesses as well, yes. right? And it, for sure. re- remember that in the U.S., it's the same with the dollar. Yeah. I mean, banks are the biggest launderers of drug money today. Yeah, so. I, I was just about to get oh. to drunk drugs yeah, because yeah. Yeah. in the U.S., I mean, cannabis is. It's legal yeah. in, in certain states, yes. and because of this federal bank policy, the 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 the, the businesses that deal with cannabis they are not allowed to uh, open bank accounts. Yeah, so they use cash now. So they use cash, and cash is you know there's a lot of theft going on. A lot on. of risks, risks cash, yeah. holding cash. So Bitcoin is much safer. So people are using Bitcoin for that, and that's a legitimate business in that particular state, right? Yeah. So. Uh, I think Andreas Antopoulos said something funny. He said that if you can't buy drugs with money, then it ain't money. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but these last few months, we've seen a lot of hubbub online about sort of the, the block size. Uh, and I checked the mempool every day. I checked it today. Yeah. There is really no problem with the mempool. If you use a real Bitcoin wallet to transact, uh, like, uh, I mean, a native wallet connecting to the, net- the network... If you don't use Sapo or Coinbase or another custodian, yeah. you have no problem sending in a, a transaction today. Well, the, the, the only problem that can happen is that if someone tries to spam the network, and because the blocks are, I, I, on average, was it 700K or something? It's, yeah. it's, it's approaching it's a, the one megabyte it's limit. It's 72% right now, so it's like about 700K. Yeah, 700K. So it means that if... Uh, someone wants to spam the network, it's much easier now. And, and and what happens is that that causes pain for a couple of days or something, and then, and then goes it back to normal again. But 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 in, ultimately, I think all there are two camps here of developers. There's the called the classic and the core camp. The core camp says that Bitcoin will never ever be able to s- solve the you know buy your coffee with Bitcoin problem. It's just not. It doesn't matter what block size you have. It will not be able to scale to that level if everybody wants to buy a cappuccino in the world. Well, with the Lightning Network, it would, right? No. No. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The okay, regular, regular pure, pure, pure Bitcoin, pure Bitcoin okay, will never, yeah. uh, it will never be able to handle that. Mm. So instead of trying to just raise the limit, let's you, you know build new technology yeah. on top of Bitcoin, such as Lightning Network yeah. and other systems. Segregated so, witness. Yeah. So Bitcoin is a kind of a reserve, gold reserve, and then you build other th- systems on top of it. Yeah. But you can do it in such a way that it's not a fractional reserve system. So Lightning Network is not a fractional reserve system. You can you can build systems on top of the Bitcoin blockchain and still have this 100% you know reserve requirement. So it means that you can solve you can actually buy a cup of coffee but it's not directly on the Bitcoin blockchain but it's on something else on top of yeah. On the Bitcoin blockchain, and then it closes later. It settles on the settles blockchain later. much yeah. rarely later, right? Mm-hmm. You you basically say that you accumulate all the transactions. Let's say you you because if you think about it, how how the current system works today with the fiat money, what happens is that well, you have these banks, right, where you have millions of transactions in each bank, 
But then the number of transactions between banks, you settle the yeah. sum that you need to transact to other banks once a day, yeah, yeah. and that's one transaction. So something similar will happen to the Bitcoin network. You have these millions of co- copies of cappuccino will coalesce into one transaction or million transactions will become one transaction on the Bitcoin network or something like that. But for sure, we're going to need to have bigger blocks anyway because the settlement transactions are still going to be way more than we have today. The number of users need to increase anyway. Yeah, yeah. So so the classic, uh, the the core uh, camp, developer camp, they say, okay, let's focus on building these next layers. And the the Mm. block size, we don't worry about that much right now, right? The other camp is the opposite. They say that bad things will happen when we hit the limit. So let's raise the limit while we are working on the other stuff. Both share exactly the same vision, Mm. that they are both agree, Gavin Andresen and the other the core people agree that raising the block size is probably just kicking the can down the road. We still need the other systems yeah. uh, eventually, right? Yeah. Uh, and But I guess that Gavin says that, well, maybe the computers will be good enough in the far ahead future so that maybe you could do everything on the blockchain mm-hmm. if you have gigabit networks and Ethernet. But, but and Gavin wanted to increase the block size really rapidly first in his first suggestions like a year ago. Yeah, I think that Gavin doesn't want the block size at all. Just make it unlimited, yeah. right? And, Which and, would be very cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it could work, right? Uh, it's not impossible. Uh, because the, the big worry is it's about China and the, and the Great Firewall. I mean, well, many people worry about that. But why worry about it? Bitcoin doesn't care if it's mined in China or not. You know? Oh, of course. I don't care about the, where the Bitcoin is mined. I don't think the core team cares either, right? No. So so this thing that, oh, mine, uh, China has all the power, is just uh, that, that's just uh, yeah, garbage and, talk to and me. All, all the tests that, that's been done for the last two years on how much uh, or how big block the, the firewall could ha- handle... Yeah. It's been but within four and eight megabytes. Yeah, sure. But so if, if and you now we're at one megabyte. Uh, so if you have an unlimited uh, uh, block size, there there are two th- bad things that can happen according to the core team, right? The one bad thing that happens is the the number of orphans will increase. Mm. Uh, orphans are blocks that are mined, but then later turns out that they are not being part of the main chain. So yeah, because somebody else was uh, faster yeah, yeah. and 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 produced more blocks, and and so the the main branch is yeah. is longer than the you know the small little branches on on the but tree. But that's right? part of the idea of Bitcoin. That's is the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work like that. But the, if the number of orphan increases, it means that it's it's harder for people to know when you can trust the, the that the transaction has has gone through. You have to wait longer, right? Yeah. So that's one problem. The other problem is that there is the fear of centralization because if there requires more hard drives, uh, more disk space to to store the blockchain and you know and more bandwidth, it means that it's going to be just big companies that are going to deal with Bitcoin and and these other people who just have uh, nodes for fun at their home in their basements they will decrease yeah. so the number of nodes in the system will decrease and and that that then there's a yeah, fear that that, w- that won't be a problem either i guess because i mean satoshi himself said that they in the future uh, most uh, nodes would be server farmers of specialists. You yeah, know? and and so yeah, and the core team will then disagree with that because there are some members in the core team who thinks that 
everybody should be able to have a replica of the blockchain on their hard drive in their yeah, homes. That's weird. So that if something really bad happens, that all governments goes in and confiscates the servers of all these big companies in the world, the, the blockchain will still be here, right? But it's, so, it's very cheap to buy hard drive, so everybody could, could buy, if you want to really, to yeah, network, and, and buy that, hard drive. And that's, that's Gavin's uh, yeah. statement, is that who cares? I mean, it's so cheap right now, so every, everybody can store the, the entire Bitcoin. But if you know, if you increase the block size, more transactions, maybe there the maybe you hit the limit where it's going to be economic unfeasible to buy for everybody to buy yeah. this equipment. But but all these things, these 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 things are about mining and consensus, yeah. and we're talking about self-regulation. So okay, for 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 now we have. As something interesting happening happening in China, but this is just now. And Bitcoin is a very very young currency. It's only been around seven years. It's nothing compared to other currencies, right? Or like gold. So this is just the beginning. In the future, we'll have other kinds of problems, and not dealing with China. Maybe we'll have some other, uh, you know, capacity problem or some other sort of uh, barrier. So then. Should we then change Bitcoin to adapt to that kind of problem in the future? Why not have this sort of unlimited, more or less unlimited block size, and let's just um, have the market work it out, you know? Yeah, but you need consensus to get there, and you don't have that, right? The Chinese miners are very afraid that they will be outcompeted by uh, the Western world, which has better broadband connections and better internet, so they can push out their blocks much faster than China can, right? But they're obviously very successful in mining in China, so they shouldn't be. Yeah, that but that's because the the, the they have a subsidized power, right? So yeah. so it's and they're very e- close e- to the manufacturing. So it means part. that they have access to free energy uh, uh, or cheaper energy than the West, yeah. but they don't have access to better broadband connections than the West. So mm. so it means that, but you can solve these problems. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can change the protocol so that you can instead of sending the entire block the new block that the miner has mined to the network, you just send difference lists saying the differences between this and that. And if you do that, uh, this is called the ILBT solution. It's it's an f- uh, abbreviation to uh, invertible bloom lookup tables. Yeah. So there is a there's a technical solution that could deal with these problems and and so in in future that will not be a problem with orphans and and you know doesn't matter if china or if if it's there's a bad broadband connection or whatever that will, that all these problems can be solved um, yeah even if i mean are they even problems aren't aren't they just a part of this natural sort of development of bitcoin yeah and and that that development will continue of course yeah. regardless right but but there are two different camps here right you have the camp that says that everything has to be perfect before we change the rules mm-hmm. and then you have the other camp who say let's let's just change the rules and work about yeah, this problem let's try it out sort of. and, and yeah well they they fear that if you hit the limit bad things will happen right yeah. people can trust the network if the transactions are don't go through in the way they're supposed to and i mean normal users right they can't normally you wait 10 minutes and you know it's going to be in the blockchain but if if things start go bad uh, 
that you know your transaction you sent you broadcast it but no miner will pick it up because the network is you know too full no. so you have to change your fee and you know all these things are complicated for standard users to understand yeah, yeah. so what happens is that you get a, a a system that you can't trust right you don't know how much it will cost your transaction or how fast yeah. or how fast it is so there are many parameters and so the other camp will say well we have to increase the block size now because not doing so is also a change of game right mm-hmm. so everybody is, is a change of game the problem is that there are different uh, pros and cons with both t- type of uh, approaches and i i am kind of neutral to this yeah. whole debate i think that Well, let the market sort it out. Yeah, it, eventually, eventually, the, the either one camp will win, right? Yeah. And and uh, today it looks like the core camp has the strongest support yeah. among miners and other people. They don't have support by businesses such as Coinbase um, and other businesses. And you know, it, the, the the system is split a little bit. But yeah. but, but I I'm not worried long term because there will be solutions to this problem. And yes, there might be some you know. Uh, there might be a period where we have some pain, and 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 we'll let's see how painful that pain is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but in any way, we won't lose our Bitcoin. Though. No, definitely not. It's just about the trust of the network, right? Mm-hmm. And businesses, venture capitalists have pumped a lot of money into this space. They 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 want to have a network that they can trust in. And mm-hmm. if 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 some transactions don't go through. Then they're afraid that people will abandon the system, and you know the price goes down, and you know it gets a the negative spiral effect until yeah. Bitcoin is gone. Right? That's what some people fear. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, there's so much money into the Bitcoin system; it has been successful for seven years. Yeah. Uh, something will happen to make sure that this network keeps running and running and running. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm very interested in the sort of the self-regulation part of the network, yeah. and that that has to do with the mining part and the consensus part mainly. And I'll, I'd like to talk about that, but I'll, I'll, let's say to save that to the next episode because this right. episode is about pretty long now. We have an interview in the in the middle too. Yeah. So it's a, we, 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 yeah, yeah. Let's uh, sort of wrap it up, but um, uh, and let's get back to the question of mining and consensus because uh, these big sort of VC capitalized companies. Many of them are talking about the blockchain. I mean, the IBM and etc. And they sort of don't want to touch the word mining or Bitcoin. And I think it's the other way around. I think the mining part is the most important part in Bitcoin and the most interesting part. I think that it's the miners that really decide the future of Bitcoin on how the miners act and how the miners decide. That's how the future of Bitcoin is going to be. So it's, I think it's very, very interesting to, and, and important to understand how miners do and how they think. So I want to talk more about that. And, I'm, and I'd, um, I think more of the big VC companies will fail because they don't understand that part because it's so... Um, sort of entrenched in their old thinking, the fiat paradigm, and sort of the, the you know the FR, I mean the um, QE and the uh, fractional reserve banking. They're they're thinking in that sort of uh, line, and if they don't really even want to touch this mining part, you see what I mean? Well, the mining because the, the mining is sort of the invention here, but but it's not that true, right? Because there are a lot of you have twenty one ink. For instance, yeah. that's supported by venture capitalists, and and yeah. I think that. But they're re- not, they're not doing well, you know, and th- these companies like BitPay not doing well. BitPay is not a mining company. No, no, but all these VC companies. That's what yes. I'm saying. Yeah, they're yeah. not doing well. Even Twenty One are not doing pretty well, according to what to my sources. Okay, all right. So, 
So what I'm saying is that yeah. if you want to go get into Bitcoin, you should do it the Bitcoin way, not the old VC way. Yeah, but the, the old American way. Yeah, but, but I think that the only revenue stream you have, uh, if you're a venture capitalist and you want to build a company, mining is actually a good thing because that's yeah. a revenue stream. Yeah. You get direct revenue stream. Exactly. Normally, venture capitalists invest in something and then wait for five years and then they hope they have a new product that will revolutionize the world, right? Yeah. But if you invest some in mining, uh, mining is actually quite cro- profitable. According to my sources... The 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 margin from the cost of mining uh, Bitcoin is way lower than the reward they get. Uh, according for to my, some, for, 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 the, for, for, for the successful, for the successful ones, yeah. and and the successful is way lower, so they get yeah. a huge profit margin, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's part of self regulation. That, that's yeah. part of self regulation here. So it means that they they don't need that much money, right? They need a little bit to get the the farm, the mining farm going, right? But yeah, but, you need you need a lot of money to do the chips. Yes, and you need a lot of brain power so that yeah. you can uh, you can raise the standards. Yeah. Right, but because to, just to design one chip is like ten to twenty million dollars to design a chip. Exactly, and once it's designed, you have to be so quick because yeah. the other ones are uh, out yeah. there with their new chips as exactly. well. So you, the head start you have, you have to use it very, very quickly, right, and to get as yes. much uh, money. So mining is not a very nice business to be in. I think it's a very stressful business. Yes, but yes. I've, but, been, I've but, been into that business, but yeah. it is the most profitable business of Bitcoin yeah, today. I absolutely, think. absolutely. And I the think, best business. and then the other businesses uh, that you know, uh, wallet providers, etc. You can you can always reduce staff. I mean, yeah. you can always cut costs, and that's what BitPay did, right? They, that, you but know. most of them, they build companies on some sort of uh, idea of the future. They don't have a use case today. If you, do, if, if you have a mining company, you have a use case today. You produce bitcoins. It's yeah. a very simple business idea. Yeah. But, but the, they, like they, BitPay, this, oh, sometime in the future, everybody's going to use BitPay. Uh, we don't know about that at all. Uh, no. Exactly. Uh, so. We will perhaps using Lightning Network. Yeah. Don't need... Well, BitPay yeah. is good because they transact between fiat and and so the exchanges have a very interesting use case, yeah, right? Like Coinbase, yeah. uh, and and they try to bridge the gap between the fiat money world and the Bitcoin world, right? So, yeah, so uh, the temporary solution because in the future we won't even need them. If everything goes into Bitcoin in the entire world, we will not need any exchanges, no, exactly. and and we don't need uh, anything, right? So that everybody will have their own Bitcoins and everything yeah. will be good. But everything will be good. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the governments will not be too happy, though, because they will lose the power of their own money. Yeah, right? it depends on who is in the government. No? That, yeah, that's true, because the people would have voted for governments yeah. that are pro-Bitcoin, yeah. so they will be happy, too. Yeah. But, okay, let's say the central banks will not be very happy. Yeah, exactly. They, they because will, they, they will disappear. Be <laughs> yeah, they, the big salaries will disappear from those, those, those people. Yeah. I've been inside the, this uh, Riksbank, Central Bank in Sweden. Yeah. The building is really expensive. Everybody working in there have the really, really good-looking clothes. It's a very expensive place to run. Oh, even their doors are like big silver vault, kind of very, very expensive to design doors. I mean, everything, everything around a central bank and, and, and a national fiat currency is so expensive. But Sweden has the oldest central Ooh, bank in the world. Wow, that's so they probably have the greatest building when they yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Well, so, okay. but, so let's, I, I want to return to the, the part of mining and consensus in the next episode and really delve into that part. All right. I think it's really interesting to understand how does this consensus work right but uh, thank you very much for this episode oh sure no problem great being here yeah thanks thank you
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.